I was told I broke the record. Wow. If you're going to do it, you're going to do it right. So two weeks ago, I spoke about, uh, about keep, and ask, keep asking, keep seeking, keep praying, keep knocking. And I gave a lot of scriptures and uh, examples and metaphors, if you will. And so um, I'm not going to go all into that again, but I'm just going to give you five things Five things to kind of build on that foundation of what I spoke about two weeks ago. So I'm going to jump right into it. Matthew 21, 21. This is a passage we used two weeks ago. Then Jesus told them, I tell you the truth, if you have faith and don't doubt, you can do things like this and much more. You can even say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. You can pray for anything, and if you have faith, you will receive it. The key word there, as a number one principle, is to not have doubt. To have that doubt rooted out within your life. Doubt is like a cancer. Doubt is like an a ever-hungering rat. Ever-hungry rat. It just continually gnaws and comes after it. Doubt is uh, like my puppies I have right now. They just want to shoo everything. And it just it never stops. It never stops unless you command it to out. You command it to come out. And another way to command it to come out is to read his word. I'm going to hold my phone, my Bible app, is to read his word. Yeah. Read his word daily, day in, day out. That keeps the doubt rooted out. You can pray also to God, the Lord, show me that what it is is causing that unbelief to come into my heart. And he will show you. You may have to be persist- persistent about it. You may have to really shake the, the house, the foundation to get that. But he will show you what it is that's causing you to doubt. Faith means moving towards something. So these past two weeks, with cutting out, uh, one of my rules two weeks ago was cutting out all non-essential negativity in your life. So I did it, and I, because people talk around me, I know a lot of big events happened in the last two weeks, especially in Paris and around the world. But I, I chose not to listen to any of it. I chose not to listen to any of it. So a quick testimony is I wrote down two things Two things every single day in the morning and at night before I went to bed, I would just lean over on my bedstand. I would write it down again. And in the morning I wake up, I write it down again. Sometimes I get to work and then I write it down because uh, Ariana takes all my attention in the morning. And during the day, I kept my thought planted on those two things that I wanted and I just kept writing them down, kept writing them down. Now, some of you on Facebook have, saw, have already seen it, but I got, I got persistent and one of the things you got to do is you got to be faithfully writing down or saying and praying out loud what you want, but then you got to work to go get it. you got to work to go get it. And if it work means praying unseasonally or, Lord, I want more business for my job, business for my company, then you need to work to go get the more work for your company. Uh, Lord, uh, I want to show more love to my family. I'm always uh, upset with them and stuff like that. Then you need to practice showing more love to your family. You have to work with that faith. You can't just willy-nilly pray it, and then it's just it's wishing. That's just wishing. So that one thing I was putting down there was my company, my business that I started, and got on the phone, sent an email. I sent like 120 emails to all these businesses, and I got on the phone with a guy who liked it, what I wrote in the email, Talked on the phone, back and forth about what he needed, what he was looking for. Um, he works here in the Tampa Bay area. And then 
Jesus spoke through the phone because when he said the very figure that I was writing down for the last two weeks, he spoke it and said, I will pay you this much if you can give me what I'm looking for out of your company. I do digital marketing for websites. He said, if you give me what I get, I will pay you this much a month. It was exactly what I wrote down for the last two weeks. Exact number. But I had to do the work. I had to do the work. I had to send those emails. I had to get on the phone. I had to hustle. But I kept telling the Lord what I wanted every day. So you have to hustle. You've got to go for it. Faith means moving something. It doesn't mean, well, I'll get into that. And then, faith also means reminding yourself consistently what it is that you're asking for. Because as soon as I got what I needed, he planted the seed. He had to give me a little something to start with and will grow to the amount that I wanted. So it didn't even come right away. It was just, you got to prove your worth, and you'll get that amount every month. But as soon as I got the money, and I got to work right away, I worked all weekend. I'm so excited to get this guy happy. Immediately, things started coming into my mind. Do I have enough money? Am I going to be able to pull this off? Am I going to be able to do what this guy is asking me to do? So it's amazing how quickly, after I just received what the Lord, what I've been asking the Lord for, Doubt creeps in. Doubt creeps in right away. You have to consistently come after it and say what you want. Give it to the Lord and ask him what you want. Consistent and constant focused heart and mind and will toward Jesus at all times. Second point, first one was doubt rooted out. Number two, John 14, 12. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater work because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. So the focus here is ask in his name. Now, we do that all the time. We finish our prayer in Jesus' name, amen. It becomes rote, mute point. It's just habit, if you will. But if you read the Bible, it's just much more of saying Jesus' name in his name. Well, who is Jesus? So you got to kind of restructure your thinking to find out why are you saying Jesus' name. When you can probably really quickly, especially the veterans of the faith in here, tell me what that means, what Jesus means. But what does it really mean? What does it really mean in your heart? What does the word of Jesus mean to you? Asking in the name of Jesus. This is stating and claiming the lordship of Christ in your life instead of asking whatever lower form of any kind in your life for help, you are asking the author of life. So, uh, the passage before, Jesus, the famous passage, verse 6. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. So from now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. You have access to the Father because you know who Jesus is. Amen? Amen. Uh, verse 1, he says, right at the beginning of this chapter, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. I don't think I need to expound on that. Any questions? That's pretty much right to the point, right? Jesus never wasted any words. Third point, John fifteen five. Yes, I am divine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anything who does not remain in me is thrown away like useless branches and withers, and withers and dies. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me 
and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. The point here, number three, is to remain in him. Remain in him. I'm kind of saying what I've already said right at the beginning. Consistent, constant remaining in him. He is the vine, you are the branches. If you separate yourself from the vine, you're not receiving from the Lord. You've got to remain in him. And then, the fruit, faith produces fruit. Faith and works. The works of pursuing what it is that you're believing into God for, not the, not the righteous works that are filthy rags and trying to compress God and trying to have better standing, but it's the works involved with the faith, pursuing God, produces fruit. If the faith that you have is not producing fruit, throw that faith in the fire. Because it's useless. It's a useless branch that should be cut off and thrown in the fire. But if your faith is causing you to pray and it's causing things to happen and to produce fruit, keep that faith. That's the one you want. Don't use the one that doesn't produce prayer or doesn't produce fruit. It's not faith. We see in Matthew 21, in verse 18, In the morning, as Jesus was returning to Jerusalem, he was hungry, and he noticed a fig tree inside the, uh, beside the road, and he went over to see if those were any figs in it, but there were only leaves. But then he said to it, May you never bear fruit again. And immediately the fig tree withered up. This story is, you unpack that story, and it becomes a message all in itself, so I'm not going to do that. But a fig tree, interestingly enough, produces this fruit first, then it produces leaves. So if you walk around and you see a fig tree with leaves, you automatically assume there's fruit, because leaves come after the fruit. So fig trees with leaves means it has fruit. When Jesus went to that fig tree, it had the leaves, so he assumed it has fruit. It didn't have fruit, and he said, may you never bear fruit again. That's a different part of the story. But the point I'm trying to make is, a lot of us are running around with the fig trees. And a lot of us have the leaves. We have the leaves. So we're having that Christian pretense that we, have, we are producing fruit. But the, it's deceptive because the leaves are just the leaves. The leaves cop- accomplish nothing. The leaves might give people some shade, might give people some uh, uh, coolness from the sun, but it's not giving them any fruit. Does that make sense? Yeah. A fig tree is a... I'm not going to go into that whole story, but it's really, really awesome. So you see, faith in anything else in Jesus is fig trees with leaves, but no fruit. A fig tree produces, I already said that, here we go. If your faith doesn't bring you fruit, then get rid of it and toss it in the fire. Point four, we got one, two, three, and I'm going to four. Three was remain in him. Four is John 15, eight, bringing glory to Jesus. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples, and this brings great glory to my Father. So it's using that. Now I'm focusing on the much fruit. Much fruit brings glory to the Father. Not just the leaves. You can be looking good and looking good and giving shade and all that, but the fruit is what brings glory to the Father. Your faith should produce fruit. Don't take a vacation from this. Don't take a time off or I'm going to take a break. This is not... This is serious stuff. Yes, it is true that sometimes only uh, certain trees produce fruit certain times a year. Like a fig tree only produces fruit twice a year. But if you go to the grocery store, there's always apples, and there's always oranges, and there's always uh, those other fruits always available. But then there's a special section where you're only going to see papaya at one time a year or those other special fruits. But there's something there about how we can always have access and always produce fruit. 
if there's a time of, uh, yeah, Jesse, but you know, what if I go out tomorrow and I don't produce anything? Well, work on the ground some more. Fertilize that seed some more. Get into the word. It, of course, it takes a process, but you should be producing fruit. I should be producing fruit. I am speaking to myself here. You could say, but I have everything I need. I'm content. There isn't anything else I need. Well, it's not about you. It's about the fruit that you produce for others. And I'm going to show you a story, a powerful story, at the end of this message. We always, uh, nope, I already said that. Let's move to number five. I told you I'm going to go quickly. (laughs) Number five, Ephesians 3.20. Then Jesus will make his home in your hearts as you have trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, as all God's people should, you should understand this, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. So this number five point is, he will accomplish. He will accomplish what you ask for in your life. Isn't it how it's weird? It's like a paradigm. He accomplishes, not you. But you've got to show that is that what you want. It's just this wonderful harmony pairing of coming together uh, with each other. Is something wrong? I'm sorry? Repeat what point was. I didn't get all of it. Oh, okay. Uh, the point was, oh, and five, he will accomplish what you ask for in your life. He will accomplish what you ask for in your life. So, and also, that fruit that you're producing for him is what's bringing him glory. So just agree with him. Align your will with his. Your heart is pregnant with the seed of Christ. Producing fruit should be a normal Christian living way. That desperate cry to Jesus to save us from our sins. Now, I know some of you didn't desperately cry for Jesus when you asked him in your heart. But it is a cry to the Lord, save me. Save me. I'm going to go to eternity in hell or I'm going to go in heaven with you. Save me. Write my name in the book of life. And then you have confidence is that's what he did. You have confidence. You have assurance that that's what he did. That seed that you did, right in that moment you asked Jesus into your heart, is now planted in your heart. It's going to come become something. Whatever it is that God wants to do in your life, that's what's going to come from out of the seed that was planted in your heart. When you cried out to God, he planted that in you. That desperate cry, he comes in to make home, his home, and then he impregnates you with his spirit. So many principles in the natural world applies to the spiritual world. And that seed that's implanted in you, that we see women getting pregnant with a child, it's the same way that God's impregnating you with something or anything that you are seeking and desiring or whatever his will is for your life. But we all know, because the word makes it plain, his will for your life is to produce fruit. It's to produce fruit, to produce something, to bring life. When Jesus came down and breathed life into Adam out of the dust of the earth, he came and brought life. When he walked around on the earth as a man, did he do any killing? Did anything die? The fig tree did. And why did it? Because it wasn't producing fruit. 
but he brought life to all the people. And he spoke to the water, and the water calmed down, and the air stopped, and the wind settled down. That's the power of God resting in your hearts. Thank you, Jesus. We have been bought and brought in and anointed as his beloved. To not produce fruit is almost like the dreaded word. It's like abortion. It's just not letting that seed become anything. You're just constantly snuffing the life out of it instead of letting it grow to be something else. Not something else. To be what it is that he has called you to be. So here's the story. Here's the powerful story that I promised. And it's out of the Bible. And it's a story that we don't read very often. And instead of beating the same scriptures over and over again about Jesus doing something amazing while on his walk on earth, I wanted to find one that was not often read. We're not often talking about it. You know, we always talk about the, the woman with the issue of blood and the woman with the daughter, Jairus, and, you know. But anyway, in John 4, verse 43, Jesus has been traveling all over the place doing miracles and signs, and people, you know, this is the beginning of his ministry almost. So people are really starting to take notice and hear by word of mouth, you know, people are text messaging each other and, you know, sending phone calls and emails. And so everybody's starting to really understand something is happening. There's this man walking around the earth and he's doing amazing things. So in verse 43, John 4, 43, at the end of the two days, Jesus went on to Galilee and he himself has said that a prophet is not honored in his own hometown. Yet the Galileans welcomed him, for they had been in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration and had seen everything that he did there. As he traveled through Galilee, he came to Cana, where he had turned the water into wine. There was his first miracle, so right there, especially in Cana, he's well known. There was a government official nearby in Capernaum whose son was very sick. When he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and begged Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son, who was about to die. Jesus asked him, Will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? The official pleaded, Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. Then Jesus told him, Go back home, your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus said and started home. While the man was on his way, some of his servants met him with the news that his son was alive and well. He asked him when they... When had the boy begun to get better? And they replied, Yesterday afternoon at one o'clock, his fever suddenly disappeared. Then the father realized that at that very time, Jesus had told him, Your son will live. And he and his entire household believed in Jesus. This was the second miraculous sign Jesus did in Galilee, Galilee after coming home, coming from Judea. Awesome story, isn't it? Let's unpack it a little bit, because there's a lot of cool stuff here. When Jesus was in Cana, this official heard he was in Cana and Capernaum. This is why I think there were some phone calls going on or text messaging, because there must have been a serious network of communication going on, because Capernaum and Cana are 20 miles apart. 20 miles apart. So this official heard that Jesus was in Cana, his son's dying, and has anybody walked 20 miles in one day? I don't know if you had a horse. Maybe you had a horse. But even a horse, 20 miles in one day is a big feat. So that might have taken two to three days to get to Jesus. He left his son sick. He may die in his absence 
and he travels to Jesus. So what we call this, what I want to call it, is seeking faith. It's called seeking faith. The very first step in our life, two weeks ago, the very first step I took, because I've never done this before, was writing down what I wanted and then seeking God for the answer to that. And the same way with this man, he's not writing it down, but he is seeking God and going after him, even if he's 20 miles away. How many people would do that? Walk or even on a horse, but how many people would do that? Take that chance to go after God and to seek him. Seeking faith leads to prayer, and it leads to seek the source of life. So like I said before, if faith is not causing you to pray and to seek God, then throw that faith in the fire. That's not faith. That's just wishing. That's Disney. I wish upon a star. That's not seeking God. That faith is not going to help you. Seeking faith creates activity. Faith makes one to pray. If faith doesn't cause you to pray, I question whether it's faith at all. It is, it is just wishing. Get rid of it. Even when you are rebuked, questioned, told you are unworthy, you are asking like this father. So the next point in this passage is, Jesus said to him, will you not believe unless you see a miraculous sign and wonder? After he already begged Jesus, he begged him to come to Capernaum to heal his son. Jesus rebuked him. Is that how you're going to believe? You're going to only believe me if you see a sign and wonder? What did the official do again? He pleaded again. I don't care. I don't care what it is or what it takes. Please come to my home and heal my son. So whatever it is that is hindering your walk, that's telling you that you can't have it, that people around you are distracting you, life is a mess, uh, whatever, you're, you're, you feel unworthy, you feel like you haven't prayed in a week and it's not good enough, ask again. And then when it comes at you again, you ask again. How uh, the audacity of this man to plead to God twice after he said, that's the only way you're going to believe is a miraculous sign and wonder. And he asked again. That's faith. That's seeking faith. That's going after God because he really, uh, he really wanted it. That's what it was. So keep asking like this father. He pleaded again, save my son. He didn't get theological. Your word says, you know, the woman who said even the dogs eat the scraps from the table and he was, he was questioning her, you know, so they got a little theological about that. He didn't get theological. He didn't get oratorial with an elaborate speech. He just pleaded with the Lord to save his son. His heart was fully invested in I just came 20 miles to come see you, and I am not going home unless you come home with me and save my son. That's not taking no for an answer. That's seeking God for it without shameless persistence, as in the passage says in Luke or Matthew. Don't quote me on that. But he did demand Jesus to come. See, in seeking faith, we are still like a babe. We're like babies. We imagine how Jesus should do it. So he believed in his prayer that for his son to be healed, Jesus has to come home with him. So in seeking faith, we have to, you know, we're writing down what we want. We're seeking God for it. But we still have that baby wishing in us. We still have that little bit of a wish. You know, know, it would be cool if, you know, this man that I spoke to, who's going to give me that dollar amount every month if I can prove it, it would have been nice if you just gave it to me now. I could just have it now. That'd be awesome. But 
that's not how the answer to my prayer came to be. But that's fine, because I know the word told me that I could ask and have it. I've been asking for it, and now I'm going to get it. Now I'm going to get it. And I got a little window, uh, what do you call it, a little uh, extra seed. He gave, me a, he gave me a piece to begin this journey with him, to give him what he wants, to get what I want. So the point I'm trying to make is, in the seeking faith phase, we're a little bit like babies. We're still trying to figure out how exactly God's going to pull this off. And God will surprise us with a different way. But that's the will that he has. To, that is his will for your life, how he wants it to be. Does that make sense? Making sense? So that seeking faith is a shameless persistence that gets you in front of Jesus. It is the violent who take the kingdom by force. That passage is awesome. But we must be ready to receive the answer in a way that brings glory to him. It might not come the way you wanted it to. So Jesus flipped him upside down because his mind was saying, you've got to come home with me. Jesus said, just go home. Your son lives. I don't need to go the 20 miles with you. Just go. Go home. Your son lives. But no, this is not what he was asked for. So his prayer wasn't answered, was it? That's not what he was praying for. He was praying that Jesus would come home with him. And God didn't answer his prayer. He said, just go home. Your son lives. Now, he could have made his decision here. He could have fought with God about this. He could have said, no, 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 no. That's not what I want. You need to come home with me. But he didn't. It is here where we have to trust his words and we move from a seeking faith to a reliance faith. Now we're relying on something because we have been giving a seed, a word, and Jesus' words say, go home, your son lives. That word now is what he's standing on. So the father said, Jesus told him, go home, your son lives. And the man believed what Jesus said and started home. He just believed. I believe you. Now imagine people around him. Wait a minute, buddy. You don't have any evidence. Your son isn't here. He's another 20 miles away. He's a two, three-day journey. I don't care. God said, Jesus said, my son lives. I'm going. But what if you get there and he, he's already dead? You know, what are you going to do now? It doesn't matter. God told me my son lives. See, all, all that stuff can start swirling around. All the people around him are like, I'm sure he was surrounded with people. Jesus was always surrounded with people. So this guy is one of many. And they hear what this guy said, and the guy's like, tears dry up. Thank you. That's what I needed. I'm going to go home, and I'm going to trust you on your words. Now he's not a, so much of a baby. Now he has some words to stand on. Now, you know, we have the whole entire unbelievable Bible. And all the stories of what Jesus did, he doesn't have any of that stuff. But he's going to stand on the words that came from Jesus. Remember how the scripture kept saying over and over, they were amazed by his authority? This man spoke... You know, all the prophets of old and all the Pharisees that were in that day and age were always saying, Thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord says this. The Lord says, the Lord says. And then here comes this mockery of the faith, Jesus, saying, I say. That's why they were all trembling. How dare you say that? But he was saying, I say. I say it because I am the Lord. So it's an amazing difference between saying, thus saith the Lord, and the Lord said it. So if you're living your life in the thus saith the Lord, 
probably the answer to your frustration. Live your life in, I say it. The Lord says, I say so, go home, your son lives. That's much more powerful coming straight from the source. So like I said, it's here where we have to learn to trust his words. Even without the evidence, he still trusted him and went home. Because the Lord of life, the Lord of life said so. This father took those words of life and he went his way back home and the word of God brought him peace. Can you imagine how frantic he is on his way to Jesus? His son's dying. He's not gonna, he might not be there when he finally perishes. But he's frantic and he's coming to the Lord and that's why he was begging. You know, he was begging the Lord, please come home, come back with me. He was desperate. But I'm sure his journey home was much different. There was probably more of wonder and amazement. Those words were just pierced me right in the heart when he said, go home, your son lives. That's awesome. And then on his way, he runs into his servants. And so who knows at what point of the journey his servants meet him, halfway or three-quarters of the way or whatever. But they're so overjoyed because the son lives that they're rushing out to go get that father. Hurry up, come home, you know. Maybe we'll catch him before he gets to Jesus. You know what I mean? So he asked them, he didn't ask him, it's interesting, he didn't ask him, well, how is he? Is he okay? Is he talking? Is he drinking food? You know, is he running around like a little boy should? No, all he asked him was, when did he become well? He wanted to know, so now he wanted to know, did those words actually come to fruition that Jesus said? And they told him, uh, he became well at 1 o'clock in the afternoon yesterday. And then he believed. The scripture says at that point, he believed. Wait a minute, I thought he believed when he left Jesus and went home and he told him his son lives. No, there he was doing using trust. There he was using faith and living on that faith. Faith and trust, just hanging on his, he's hanging his whole life on that. But when he saw the fruition of it, he doesn't even get to see his son. He's meeting his servant, so he, does, he still hasn't even seen the answer to his prayer. And then it says, then he believed. Amen. When that was confirmed of the time, his faith went from reliance, having that reliance on the word, trusting the word, to full assurance. I believe. I believe he is the Son of God. That Nicene Creed, all those things about what you believe, that became real. It became real in his life. Wouldn't you like to believe because something became real instead of just reading because he is real? You know, wouldn't you like something like kind of tangible fruit you can bite your teeth in and it became real? I felt that way when that guy wrote me that check. Sitting in the Starbucks, wrote me a check, and he said, let's make this happen, man. And he's been texting me every day, giving me ideas. He's super excited. He's like, wow, you're working on a Saturday? I was like, yeah, I'm working on a Saturday, man. I want you to pay me that amount. (laughs) He's like, man, that's awesome. He's like, I'm going to go out and get some customers. You know, he's fired up. I'm going to blow his mind away because I got to hustle. I got to show my works, and my faith. So the seeking faith was the mustard seed. If you have faith like a mustard seed, then the word of life of Jesus himself gave it roots. As we read in Ephesians, may you be rooted in him. May you have those strong roots and grow up strong in the power of him. And then he built his house on those words. So now he built a house around those roots. He built a house. This is where I'm going to keep it, right here on a strong foundation. And then when it was confirmed and he believed That faith gave birth. That seed implanted in him gave birth to a massive tree. 
And then the story doesn't even end there. Get ready for this. It turns into a massive tree, so big that it was overflowing with fruit, and the whole household believed. His wife, his second wife, I don't know if they had extra wives, his, his servants, his other children, his whole household believed because of his faith. Now, does his faith as a, should be ele, uh, elevated? My faith saved my family. No, no. It was just his utter persistence to go the 20 miles to receive from the Lord something, and that brought salvation to his entire household. Everyone, the Bible says, everyone believed. Your faith should bring Christ real to you. Your faith, I know it sounds very possessive, but Jesus never does anything without you. He, gotta have, he has to have you. He has to have you involved. He has to be able to show his power and life within your heart. And then everything has to bring glory to him. It has to bring glory to him. This uh, miracle that God has provided for me is, uh, is going to bring the fruit, big-time fruit, big-time fruit, because that wasn't a small figure that I wrote down. It's going to bring big-time fruit to my family and to my life, to people around me, to my other extended family that needs help. It's going to bring fruit. And I started getting convicted because I was like, well, then do I stop or do I raise the stakes? Because they say, you know, once you receive the one thing, go for the next thing. Double it. You know, go. And then I started thinking of the passage, pressed down, shaken together, running over some 20, 50, 100-fold, Don't think small. So, because I got what I wanted, I'm changing it, and I'm writing a different figure now. I'm starting that now every day. And the second thing I was praying for didn't come to fruition, but the word that I've just given you today and that I'm writing down every day, I literally read Matthew 21, John 14, Luke 7, and Matthew 7. I read those every day. I just read them every day because that's where the power is. Why would I read anything else? That's where the power is. That's where it is. You've got to think it and believe it and eat it every day, and that produces fruit. It moves the mountains, and it impacts something and does something. So that's it. That's my word today. I hope that, uh, that plants something in your heart. If you, uh, you want to continue to receive text messages from me, I will continue to do it. I am so invested in this that I will not stop. I will not slow down. I am going to be the guy, like in this story, that goes to 20 miles. Because this is living. Seriously, folks, this is living. And I'm going to continue to shut out the negativity in my life. I don't miss my shows. I really don't. I just don't. And I don't miss all the negative news and the world is falling and everything. Yes, it is. Jesus pointed he pointed it all out to us in the end of Matthew how it's going to be. So, all right, cool. I already know how it's going to be. What do I need to do to be ready, to be, provide for my family, to provide for my neighborhood, to reach out to the people and produce fruit? That's all that really should matter. We get so wrapped up in all the worry of how things are going to turn out and how they're going to be. You know, the 27, 27 365 days news cycle wasn't around forever. You know what I mean? So it doesn't mean you need to know it 24-7. You know, you could just 
Take an hour a week, a half hour a week, and then just shut it off. Seek his faith, his face. Uh, seek him daily. Keep asking. Keep pursuing. Keep knocking. Keep seeking. And then when you get what you're asking for and you're wanting for, raise the stakes. Go for more. Go for more. He's limitless. Amen? All right. Let's stand, and I will close this out in prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, I am humbled in utter uh, humility, Lord, and in awe that you have provided what I asked for. Lord, you have shown that it works. Lord, uh, uh, I I have 33 years of futility, 33 years of not doing anything near as close to this, so I'm less of deserving than anyone. But Lord, let us not contemplate and think on those things. Lord, it's just a negative, God-awful, doubt-eating, worm-infested, rat-chewing nonsense. Lord, show us that it's not our place, it's not our standing, it's not our who we are or what we've done. Lord, let us learn to say no to the negativity. And let us learn to say, I will only say yes and receive it if you give me what I am asking. Lord, let us have that tenacity like the Father who went the 20 miles, Lord. Let us go the distance. Help us to not grow weary, to grow weak. And even better, Lord, you told us that you would help us when we are weak. You would help us when we grow weary. Give us the strength, Lord. Give us the power to pursue and to seek you 24-7. 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, we pursue you. We pursue the riches riches of your kingdom, and we are like the violent army coming to the wall of the castle, and we are storming the gates. We are coming to your throne, and we are saying, come to me and save my son. Lord, help us to persist in that way. You have given us the words. You have given us the truth. Lord, we want to produce fruit. I only want to produce fruit for you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, bless everyone here today. Lord, everybody that came up for prayer, Lord, let the desires of their heart be answered. Lord, everyone would have a blessed week, a time of thanksgiving, a time with family, a time of fellowship with others, a time of welcoming others from the street who need your love, who need your food, who need your fellowship, Lord. Lord, give us a plentiful harvest this week that we'll have so much, Lord, that we'll have to share with the neighbors. Lord, let us get outside and meet people and talk to people and give them the love, Lord. Give them the fruit of the harvest that you have given us. Lord, we should have more than enough, always, to give to others. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We praise you, Lord, and we give you glory and honor. And everybody says, Amen. Amen.